0: This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Great day it is, amen? Isn't there always something exciting happening at church? Aren't you happy to be here? Praise the Lord, we're excited. We are coming back home. We are back home and God's doing a great thing. Well, family, won't you stand with me? We want to open in prayer. And while we're doing that, I want to just take this opportunity and thank Apostle Thea and Dr. Bev, for the privilege of being allowed to minister the word of God to you this evening. So let's pray this evening. Heavenly Father, as we come together, we remind ourselves that without you, we can do nothing. So we invite you to come and have your way. This is your church, and I ask, Lord God, that you would just bless every hearer. My prayer is that their ear is open to hear, their heart is ready to receive, and their life shall change as a result of your word. And in advance, we give you alone. All the praise, the honor, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Well, family, I want to encourage you to use the church uh, app. The notes are on there. It's easy to follow. And then obviously, uh, you don't have to write out so much. You can just fill it in. So you'll see it under the notes if you use the church app, the Christian Family Church app, and that'll really help you a lot. Praise the Lord. Well, family, tonight, and for all of you that are online, I want to share something with you which I believe is more than a message. I believe it's actually something that's critical for us in these times that we find ourselves in. And so I really want you just to lean in and and listen with your heart. And we're bringing this to you, or I'm bringing this to you because we as a church, as a leadership, really love our members. And we want you all to walk in victory, amen? And you know, this uh, COVID-19 that really raised its its ugly head around about March in our country and all over the world, in fact, uh, really gave some people a tough time really put some people through some challenging times in their life, and, and uh, when this thing started happening, we started hear, hearing a specific phrase, which we hear still today, and we hear all around, called social distancing. We all heard that, right? We hear it all the time, social distancing, social distancing, and I believe that's the wrong phrase. I don't believe it should be social distancing. I understand what they mean, and they wanted people to be a little bit physically apart, so nobody's spreading any of the germ and the virus, and I understand that, But you know, family, in a time of a crisis, in a pandemic, or whenever there's a major challenge that's taking place, we need relationships more than ever. We need people more than ever. You see, it's relationships and people that keep us encouraged. They keep us connected. They help us to go forward and overcome the different challenges that we're facing. When we're alone, it's very challenging. And so that's why relationships are so important. You know, they tell us right now, that everything that's bad is up. That's what the statistics say. Everything is bad is up. They say that drug use is up. They say that uh, uh, um, suicide is higher than it's ever been. In fact, I heard a statistic that said in America already, they've surpassed the suicide rate for the whole of last year. They've already surpassed that up to now already. Isn't that sad? So everything is bad is up. Alcohol consumption is up. They even say depression is bad. Why is that the case? Because people, are in despair and they need contact with other people. That's what helps us to overcome those challenges. And you know, church, right here at Christian Family Church, we have so many opportunities for you to be connected, for you to live out your dreams and your passions in a small group environment where you can overcome whatever challenge you might be facing, where you can really live out the desires that you have in in your heart, that God's placed in your heart. We have that for you. But even though we have those groups where we have our common interest in them, I'm a part of two groups and, and I love our groups. We get together every single week, obviously. And even though we are drawn together because of that common thing in the group, whether it's a Bible study or it's a prayer or perhaps it's a free market group where you are running or baking or hiking or whatever it is, even though those might be the, the, the reasons you're drawn to it, that's really not the main reason why we have the groups here at Christian Family Church. The main reason for those groups is to bring you together. To bring members that perhaps are distant in the church, to bring them together so they can be connected. That's our desire. That's really why we have it. That activity is really just debate. It's the thing that gets your interest, to draw you into it. So let's just say you are in a, a book reading group. You enjoy reading books. So you go to it because of the books, but really our intentions that you get connected. That you walk this journey with somebody and that's really our desire. And you know what's also interesting? That that is actually a biblical model. Groups is actually a biblical model. The Bible tells us that in the the very first church in the book of Acts, the Bible says that they met in the temple for worship, but they went from house to house for ministry. Isn't that interesting? They got together to worship together, but they went from home to home to meet the needs of each other. I found that so interesting when I was studying and doing this, putting this together. And so we get together once a week, at church, to worship our Lord, to hear a great message, amen, <laughs> amen. And, but, but it's more than that. Even though we come together, we hear a great word that, that makes us want to change, the word uh, drives us to want to change in our life. We get to worship our Lord and Savior. That's a great place to say amen. We get to do that collectively. It's a whole lot more than that. It's far more than just the message and the worship. We want you to meet other people so that you can walk this walk together. God is never destined for you to walk life alone. That's never been his plan. And you see family, if you read through the Bible, you will read many accounts where people were actually felt lonely. There were many accounts in the Bible where people felt lonely even though they had many people around them. It is possible to be lonely in a room full of people. Did you know that? It's possible. I mean, if I go to to an event and if I'm on my own, the first thing I do is I scan the room to see, do I know somebody? That's a person's natural reaction. Do I know anybody? And what do you end up doing? You walk to the people you know. But if you go to an event or a function and you get there and you're by yourself and you don't know anybody, in a room full of people, you can be lonely. And you see many people find themselves in that situation. They find themselves in a place where they are lonely, even in a world full of people. You know, there's a statistic that says 40% of people find themselves feeling alone. Four out of every 10. Isn't that scary? If you think about it in this way, we are living in a world of nearly 7.8 billion people. That's a lot of people. And yet even in a planet filled with 7.8 billion people, Many people find themselves lonely and alone. I heard a song, I was just, it wasn't part of my notes, but I was actually just going through some of the stuff that I, that I follow on, and a very well-known musician, I won't mention his name, maybe you don't enjoy his music, he's a worldly singer, and this is one of his newest songs, released it probably two days ago, and he's in the song, he's singing how lonely he is, even though he's got everything how lonely he is, even though he's got anything. And you can see he's singing that from his heart. And so we find that people find themselves in this place where they're alone, even though there's so many people around them. And that's why we need each other. You see, a lot of people think that the Bible that we read is all about showing you sin and how to deal with your sin. And it does do that. It does highlight the challenges we need to overcome. It does do that. And it does help us to overcome those challenges we face. But in fact, family, that wasn't the first problem in the Bible. You see, the first problem in the Bible wasn't sin. It was solitude. It was solitude. You see, the devil didn't even show up until chapter 3. In chapters 1 and 2, we read about how God is making everything. He's making this wonderful place for Adam to live in, an awesome garden. He provides for him everything, and he places him in this garden. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, we read these words where God says, I have a problem, Houston. (laughs) There's a problem, he says this, God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Isn't that interesting? The first thing the Bible addresses is not your sin, it's your solitude. God is highlighting that it's not God's plan for you to be alone. In in Ecclesiastes, we read in a, a verse written by King Solomon. Now this is very interesting, this verse. King Solomon, you all know him, a wealthy, wealthy king. He had uh, everything he desired. He had all the wealth in the world. He had castles. He had helpers. He had wives. He had everything around him. But yet he wrote this in Ecclesiastes 4 verse 8. Listen to his words. He says this. There was a man all alone who had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Isn't that sad? He had everything, but there was no end to his toil. It goes on to say, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. He was speaking of himself. A man you would have thought was content with life. A man you would have thought had everything that he needed. But yeah, he said, I was alone. I was alone. But were there people around him? Yes. He did not have connections. He did not have that intimate relationship he so desired. And he wrote this about himself. You see, family, wealth won't bring you contentment. It's fine to have it. It's fine to have the nice homes and the cars and all that. Why is that so? Let me tell you why. Because you and I are made for relationships. God has made us for relationships. That's what he's made us for. So tonight, that's just the introduction. Tonight, I want to teach you five principles out of the life of Jesus that just happened to be the last conversation that Jesus ever had. Just happens to be the last conversation he ever had. And this account takes place when Jesus is having the, from, it starts from when Jesus is having the Passover meal with his disciples. And this account takes place from before the meal, during the meal, all the way up to the garden of Gethsemane where Jesus is arrested. And this account is found in all four of the gospels. You can read it in all four of the gospels, but in the gospel of John, he gives the most details. In fact, he writes five chapters on that conversation. Five chapters where the others, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, just give a few verses or a few paragraphs to it. You see, the four gospels is really one story written by four individual people. That's what it is. It's one story written by four different accounts where Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they are known as the synoptic gospels. In other words, their story is very similar. That's what it is. But John gives us all the detail. And so John, directed by the Holy Spirit, gives us the details of this conversation that I mentioned to you from the meal, during the meal, all the way to when Jesus is arrested. It gives it to us in, in detail. So let me take you to that account. Let's go on this journey together. If you can imagine, the disciples are about to come together now and enjoy this Passover meal, which they celebrated every year. Passover is something they celebrated from when the children of Israel were freed from Egypt. And they would celebrate that, what God did for them. And they would do that all the time. And so, yeah, Jesus is about to have this Passover meal. And you need to understand what is taking place here. This is the meal the day before he's going to go to the cross. This is the meal they're about to partake the day before he's going to go to the cross. And they were gathered together in this room to partake of this meal And what would normally happen if you came into a home then, back then, it was customary for somebody when you came in to wash your feet. That's what would happen. You'd come in, they'd wash your feet. It was just a customary practice. It was a nice way to say welcome. It was a nice way just to say welcome to people. That's what it was. And so when they arrived there, there's no host. And so Jesus then decides to take off his outer garment. He ties a towel around his waist and he gets down on his knees and starts washing his disciples' feet. And this started to make them very, very uncomfortable. You see, they had walked with him for three years. I mean, they had spent three years with him. If you had spent three years with a person every day, you would probably get to know them well, right? But here we see that Peter makes an amazing statement. As Jesus is washing their feet, Peter says these words in John 13, verse eight, the first portion, he says, no, Lord, I don't think so. I don't want you to do that, Lord. It says, no, Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. Now you can imagine what he's going through. He's walked with Jesus, but yet he's probably saying things like, I love you, you're my teacher, you're my God. I love your teachings, I love being with you, but I don't want you to see those parts of my life. I don't want you to see the dirt on my life. I don't want you to see the cracks in my life. I don't want you to go down to those places in my life that I'm ashamed of. And that's what what probably took place. He didn't want that to happen. And in many ways, church, this is the picture of many Christians today. They don't, they're happy to call him God and they're happy to say, I love my church and and, and I, I wanna go to heaven. I'm a Christian. I believe in you. But there are parts of my life, God, I don't want you to see. There's the cracks of my life or the dirt in my life that I don't want you to see. I don't want you to go down into those parts of my life. And look what Jesus says in John 13, verse eight, the second half. He says, Peter, I really need to. I need to. He says, Jesus answers, says, unless I wash your feet, you cannot be a partner with me. You can have no part with me. I cannot allow you to go on this journey with me unless you allow me to do that. Because if you don't, you are missing a part of me that you need in your life. You see, it's wonderful that Jesus saves us. That's amazing. But he also wants to cleanse us and make us whole. He wants to do that. I wonder how many people have a part of God, but not all of God. How many of us are happy to walk a certain portion of our walk with him, but when it comes to those deep parts that need that changing, how many of us don't want him to go there? but he says, I need to. In fact, he says, I want to. He wants to go there. You see, as I mentioned, we can have salvation. Yes, we can, but Jesus wants more for you. He wants you to enjoy fullness and wholeness. He wants you to to get rid of those parts that need that help, whatever they are, those hurts and those setbacks. And so, yeah, Jesus starts this teaching with his disciples, and we're going to go through it. And from verses, from chapters 13 all the way to chapters 17, 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, Jesus shows us a theme in these chapters. And it's a theme about relationships. And it makes the case for why we need each other, why we need to be back in the house of God, why we need to meet in smaller meetings. It makes the case for that. And so tonight, church, those watching online, those of you with me, I wanna ask you just to allow the Bible to teach us. Is that okay? Can we just let the word of God teach us tonight? And we're gonna look at these five principles. And so let's start in chapter 13. And the first principle, the first relationship point that Jesus highlights is this one, number one, if you're in your notes, is I need people who will care for me. You need people who will care for you. In In a ministry term, when you're having your lowest day, When you're going through a challenge, you need somebody to lift you up. You need somebody to care for you when you're going through that challenge in life. When you need prayer, when you you perhaps have lost a loved one or you've received some bad news, you need somebody to care for you. And in John 13 from verse 12, we read this. It says, when he had finished washing their feet, Jesus put on the clothes and returned to this place. And then he said this. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. And I'm sure the simple answer from some of the disciples might've been, yes, you washed our feet, Lord. You just washed our feet. But Jesus said, no, there's more than that. He goes on to say, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you you should do as I have done to you. In other words, I've gone into the deepest places of your life to care for you. You need to care for others in the same way. I've given you the example. What I have done, now go do for others. Help them, care for them, meet them at their point of need. That's what Jesus is saying. Where those deepest hurts are, we've got to go there. And we've got to allow people to go there with us. Amen. You see, family, if we as a church want to survive the challenges of this world, if we want to survive the challenges we are facing and the challenges of this world, then we are going to have to be caregivers and care receivers. Some people are very good at caring for others, but they're not so good at allowing people to care for them. And we've got to allow people, it's got to be both, it's a two-way street. We've got to be there to help them. We've got to be willing to hear their story to help them through it, but we've also got to allow them to help us as well. And in Ecclesiastes 4, verses nine and 10, in the message translation, it says this, it's better to have a partner than to go it alone. It's better to have someone with you than to go it alone. Share the work, share the wealth. If and if one falls down, listen to me, family, there are times in your life where you have a challenge. Can we be real? There are times when we have a challenge when we, we face those hard knocks that life brings, it says if one of them faces those, if one of us falls down, the other helps. But if there's no one to help, it's tough. And so yeah, we see that Jesus, through his word, is telling us we need to walk this walk to help one another. In Romans 12, 15, it says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. When it's a great time of rejoicing, hey, let's laugh together. But when you're going through a tough time, I'm there for you. I'm gonna sit with you. When I go through mine, I want you to sit with me. And we read then in 1 Corinthians 12, 26. If one part suffers, every part suffers. So if you're having a difficult time, I wanna be there with you. I wanna go through that journey with you so you're not alone, so you'll overcome it. That's what God is saying to us, family. That's what Jesus is saying. You see, this is how Christian family church works. We want to care for you. Will you let us? Will you care for others with us? That's so important. In fact, our small groups is the primary way that we offer pastoral care. That's our primary way. where We meet in the smaller groups where in an intimate smaller group environment, I can go down to those cracks in your life and help you. But in a mass gathering, it's not possible, right? So that's our primary way. Now, if you're not in a group, And I believe you will get into one, but if you're not into a group, we'll still care for you. We'll still be there for you, no problem. We'll help you if you're going through a challenge. But I want you to know that you're getting the second best solution. The first best is to connect, be with people, walk with them on a daily basis. You see, that's the way we've made our small groups to work, to care for one another. There's communication between the leader and the coach and the lead team member up to the staff, the pastors. There's communication down from us all the way to them. And so if you're in a group, share your challenge, help one another. They will then get it to us. We'll know what the situation is. I'll tell you a short story. Uh, what happened in one of the groups that, that I am um, part of, a few years back, um, two of our group members were in a, uh, attempted carjacking. And what happened is both of them were shot in this attempted hijacking situation. And while this was happening, they were on the phone to me and, uh, and then uh, and, and got contacted one of the other group members as well. And in a matter of minutes, multiple people in the group knew what was happening. And just to cut a long story short, I don't want to go through all the details of it. We, when, when we found out what hospital they were being taken to, by the time we got there, without us planning it, the group was there. They were all there Already. And one person was helping and buying coffee for people because this was late at night. Others were helping the booking process so they didn't have to be concerned about it, filling in the documentation, being willing to even cover some of the fees so that they could be taken care of right then and there. And you know, when, when I saw that, I really felt so warm inside because I saw how groups operate, how the connections work, that people come together and are there for one another. And so when you get into a group, and I believe if you're not in one, you'll get into one, speak to your leader. Let them know what's happening so that together we can care for you effectively. As we move on in our story in John chapter 14, Jesus gives us the next relationship principle and he says this, I need people who will encourage me. I need people who will encourage me. Who needs encouragement? Every hand should go up. We all need it, right? In John chapter 14, verse 1, uh, uh, what happens here, Jesus says to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. He said this to his disciples because he noticed that they were feeling a bit down and low. And he goes on, if you read the rest of that chapter, he goes on and he becomes there chilly. He says, hey guys, I've got good news for you. You've got a home in heaven. There's a place for you. It's gonna be okay. You're gonna make it. You're gonna do great. He, excuse me, he goes on and he tells them that. And in Hebrews 3:13, it says this. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. In other words, so that life doesn't get the best of you. You need a cheerleader. I need a cheerleader. There is a day that will come where you might just feel a bit low. You need somebody to say, come on, you can do this. Let's go for it. I know you can. Hey, Pastor Simon, you're the best at this. There's nobody better than you at this. You can do it. And encourage one another, amen? And by the time you finish, finished, Pastor Salmon's gonna go out and hunt a lion with a toothpick. He's gonna be so encouraged. (laughs) But what I'm saying is you need that in your life. You need people to speak the best in you, to encourage you when you go through those times. And that's what a group will do for you. They'll be there, they'll walk alongside you. They will encourage you. And I wanna encourage you in groups. Give each other your phone numbers. Let them phone you, let them WhatsApp you, encourage you and just see how you're doing. And do that for them as well. I regularly get calls from the people in my group just saying, how are you doing today, Pastor Greg? I mean, that's awesome. That's a blessing to me. Not for anything else, just how are you doing? I love that. And we do the same as well. So I wanna encourage you to be a part of a group so that you can do that. As Jesus goes on in chapter 15, he gives us the next principle of relationships and he says this, I need people who will partner with me. Teamwork, people who will partner with me come alongside, let's lock arms together. You know this saying very well, it is true. Teamwork does make the dream work. Teamwork makes the dream work. I need people who will link arms that we can go and do this with. In John 15 from verse four, it says this, remain in me, Jesus said, and I will remain in you. No branch, no branch can bear fruit by itself. Let that sink in. If you're by yourself, you cannot be productive. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. There has to be a connection. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Can do nothing. You see, we need that teamwork. We need those people to come alongside us in order for us to be successful. You see, one, unfortunately, is too small a number to make a significant difference. It's just too small a number. You need the twos, the threes, the fours. You need the people alongside you. There has to be teamwork. We need each other to make a difference in this world. Can I tell you that you already made a difference and you didn't even know it? You yeah, at Christian Family Church during this lockdown time Because of many of you, we fed more than 2,000 people. Christian Family Church, because of you. Many of you dropped off food at our gate. You gave money into our pantry program. We fed people that were destitute. We gave to homes. We supported homes that had abandoned children and abused families. This church did it. Do you know that just this week, you put a hot meal in some people's stomach because we went out this week to feed people in the welfare group environment because of you. Even though you weren't there, you were there. Even though you weren't there, you were there because you supported it. You came along and you linked arms and together we made a difference. Now, coming up now, we are going to do our We've Got You Covered campaign, where we are going to be giving ponchos out to those on the street during the rainy season. And so we wanna thank you for supporting us, making a difference. Can you see, if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have been able to do that, family. You helped us to make a difference. And in the group environment, we made a difference. Listen to Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9. It says this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If you want a good return for, what you, for your life, make sure you're connected with people. And in Ephesians 2, 2 verse 10, it says this. I love this. Let me tell you something about this verse. You know, I never realized this in this verse until I was preparing this message. I've never seen this before. I've read this verse over and over. In Ephesians 2 verse 10, and it says this, for we are God's workmanship. Not for I am God's workmanship. Whenever I read it, I always focused on myself. Hey, I'm God's workmanship. But when I was studying and preparing for this, this jumped out at me. For we, more than one, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Isn't that amazing? So hidden in there, That God is speaking to us. You need to be with others. You need to be connected. You see, we are a big church. We are a big church. And I know some people don't like big. But let me tell you what is one cool thing about big. One cool thing about big is we can do a lot if everybody does a little. If everybody does a little, we can do a lot. I mean, we have around, around 600 groups. That are out there making a difference. In they might be groups of tens and 15s, but collectively we are affecting thousands because of the size of the church. So good is big is good, amen. And I want to encourage you when you get into a group, make a difference. Choose as a group to say, let's just do something in our neighborhood. Let's mow the lawn, let's sweep the corner, let's paint a fence, let's just do something together, let's have a serve project. That's something we do here at Christian Family Church. We have a serve day first Saturday of every month, where we just go out and look after our community, clean an intersection, mow a park, pick up some papers. We can make a difference in being a team. Then number four, the fourth one that Jesus highlights in chapter 16, he says this, I need people who will protect me. I need people who will protect me. You see, church, the truth is you can only see so much. You can only see so much. I'm looking at you, right? Right? I'm looking at you. You're looking at me. If somebody walked up here behind me, I wouldn't be able to see them, but you can. And you could tell me, hey, there's somebody behind you. And I can tell you the same. And so it's important for us to know that you have to make sure someone's got your back. Who's got your back? You gotta make sure that they do. You know, in in John 16 verse one, Jesus said this, all this I have told you so that you will not go astray. That word astray in the Greek is the word scandalizo. It's where we get our English word scandal from. Isn't that interesting? I want to read it to you out of the Amplified. Listen to this out of the Amplified. He says this, I have told you all these things so that you should not be offended, take, taken unawares and falter or, because, or, or be caused to stumble and fall away. I told you to keep you from being scandalized and repelled. Jesus says, if someone's got your back, you're gonna avoid falling into a scandal. They're gonna protect you from doing things you shouldn't do. Amen? And in Ephesians 4, 12, I love this from the New Living Translation. Listen to this. It says this, a person standing alone is toast. Sorry, that's my translation. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two, standing back to back, Look at that, back to back. I got my back with you against yours. I can see that way. You can see that way. I can tell you if there's something coming your way, you can tell me if there's something coming my way. And he says three is even better. Three of us can see more. Two standing back to back can see things, but three can see even more. You know, one of the values of our groups is that we watch out for each other. And people watch out for me. And I appreciate that. And I watch out for them. I want to know if I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing. Uh, Because people can see from a distance. Have you ever watched a sports game and you're up in the stands? Have you noticed the best coaches are always high up in the stands? Come on, come on, you should go there, you should go there. Why are they saying that? Because they have a bird's eye view. We're on the field, all the players seen is the next one in front of them. And when you've got people around you, they can see things perhaps that you don't see. And that's what happens. You see, we have people who are close enough So they can see things in your life and say, hey man, I'm seeing that in your life. That doesn't look right. What's happening there? That doesn't look like the right thing you should be doing. You need people in your life to do that. We need to get close enough, family, so we can ask the hard questions. You know, the founder of the Methodist Church, John Wesley, you've heard of the Methodist Church? The founder of the Methodist Church, John Wesley. In fact, let me say this to you. The Methodist Church, their method was small groups. The method of the Methodist church was actually small groups. And John Wesley said that you can care for people and pastor them far better when they're in smaller groups. That's what he did. That's what he said. And he said this. He took it a step further. And John Wesley said this. He said, when you're in these groups, you need to get close enough so you can ask each other hard questions. That's what he said. You need to get to know them well enough so you can ask them the hard questions. And he developed some hard questions and Over the years, different pastors obviously have improved them and and obviously written them in a more modern way because John Wesley lived 100 years ago or more. And these are some of the questions. Are you ready for them? Number one, have you been in a compromising situation this week? Have you, have any of your financial dealings lacked integrity? Have you viewed any sexually explicit material? Have you spent quality time in the Bible and pray? Number five, have you given priority time to your family? Have you fulfilled the mandates of your calling? And number seven, the most important one, have you just lied to me? (laughs) But really, family, you need people who can ask you those questions. I need people who can ask me those questions because you can get caught up in the things of life And before you know it, you're involved in things you shouldn't be involved in. I've shared this with the church before. I'll tell it to you again. When I was very new in ministry, very, very new, we were still in the old building, I got an email. I'll never forget the one-liner. It was a little quote, and it said this, Never give the devil a lift because he will always want to drive. You need people to make sure you don't have the devil in your car. (laughs) And sometimes we allow him in without realizing it. You see, family, you must tell somebody. You must Tell somebody what are the challenges in your life. Now, here's some advice for you. Don't tell everybody, but tell somebody. And if you're the only one who knows your secrets, you're in trouble. Let me say that again. If you're the only one who knows your secrets, you're in trouble. You must have people that you're accountable to, people that you can come close enough to and say, help. People that can look at you and say, you need some help. You need that in your life. And in a group, that's what you will find. You need to let people come back to back with you so they can help you on this journey. And so when you get into a group, I believe you will, develop those relationships so you can get to that place so that people can help you. And then the last one, in John chapter 17, Jesus makes this principle or shows us this principle about relationships. And he says this, I need people who will pray for me. Now in John chapter 17 We're just about done, family. In John chapter 17, Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane. And he takes three of the disciples with him. And he's going there to pray. And uh, his disciples uh, didn't do a good job. Kind of fell asleep on the job. They let him down a bit. And he was under huge pressure. As you know the story, there was blood dripping from his forehead. He was under amazing uh, stress. Yet in the garden, he prays this amazing prayer for his disciples. Do you want to hear it? John chapter 17, verses 1 and 9. And it says this, Jesus looked up toward heaven and prayed, I pray for them, for my disciples. I'm not praying for the world. Isn't that interesting? I'm praying for them. I'm not praying now for the world. I'm praying for them. That's an interesting prayer. You see, Jesus knew that if he prayed for them, they would take care of the world. If they were covered in prayer, they would take care of the world. And that's the important thing that we need to make sure that we are covered in prayer. You see, I want to say this to you as a church, and you know that we've spoken about it tonight. We do care about the world. We do a lot to help other people. We do. We have great welfare work. We do a lot of things. And you'll see some other stuff coming up in the weeks of what we've done as a church through your help. But this is the truth. I want you to know this, Christian Family Church. We care more about you. We care more about you. And we pray for you every single week because we want you to run your race. We want you to succeed in what God has for you. You see, if you're healthy, I know we can accomplish much. We can change the world. But you know how sad it would be if we're trying to change out the world, we're trying to change the world and we're not okay? That would be a sad place, right? If we're out there trying to change the world and yet we are not okay. So when you get into groups, you will be prayed for. That is one of the main goals of groups is to cover everybody in prayer we train the leaders to pray lead to member pray for coach coach for leader leader for members every day by name that's how we train them mention them by name you need to be in a group you need prayer i need prayer amen in ephesians six eighteen, we hear a lot about what's essential these times this is essential but look what it says here it says prayer is essential prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare, pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. You need it, I need it. When you're connected in a group, you're gonna get prayed. You're gonna be prayed for more than what you prayed for now. So I wanna encourage you, share your prayer requests. Tell people, hey, and pray for me, pray for my son, pray for whatever. We wanna pray for you. Those are some of the amazing benefits of being in a group. You see, family, we need each other. And the, one of the best places to do that is to be connected with people at your church. You know, uh, there's some people that are very strong. They're successful. They can make money with their eyes closed. They can succeed with one hand tied behind their back. But there are very sensitive parts of their life too. That if those sensitive parts are just touched, they can break easily. And we want you to have victory and walk in success. I know there are moms here. I know there are moms in our church that care for everybody, care for the family, care for others, but they don't care much for themselves. They're just out there doing so much for others. We want to care for you. Get connected. Be in an environment that people can look after you. And to the dads, I'm sure there are dads that work hard for their family. And they probably wonder, I wonder if my family even knows what I do for them. Well, you know what? I'm sure they do. But getting to a group where people can walk with you and encourage you. You know, Moses was an amazing leader. You know, Moses, he did a great thing. He led millions of the the Jewish people to to freedom from slavery. He did that for them. I mean, he parted the sea and he caused water to come out of a rock. He did amazing things by the anointing of God on his life. But do you know that he also needed prayer? There's an account where Israel goes into one of the very first battles. And uh, the Bible says that Moses went up onto a high place onto a mountain. And as he looked at them fighting down below, as long as his arms were raised, they won. But when his arms started to drop, they started to lose the battle. And he has this mighty man who's led these millions of people, who's done these amazing miracles by the hand of God on his life. But he needed two people to help him. In the middle of the battle, two people come up named Aaron and Hur. They roll up the stone. They take him by the shoulders and put him down and say, Moses, we've got this. We're gonna help you. And one goes to the one side and holds up his arm. And the other one goes to the other side and holds up his arm. And yeah, this mighty man in the middle of a battle needed somebody to hold his arms up and we need that too. You need prayer, I need prayer. You need group life. You need to be connected. So family, I wanna encourage you. Really, this is not a message but a critical information to help us to succeed in life. If you're not in a group, please get involved in a group. Mail us, contact us. Look, go onto our website, select a group. Send an email to groups at cfcsa.ca. Get involved. I promise you, life is better when we do it together. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I hope that encouraged you this evening, family, and to those of you online. And tonight, we come to the most important time. So I don't you bow your heads with me and close your eyes. And I want to pray for those of you here this evening and those online who do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You, say, you see, it's great to be connected with people, and you need to, but it starts with making Jesus Lord of your life. And the Bible tells us in Romans that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And so I wanna give you that opportunity, whether you're with us today or at home watching us, I wanna pray a prayer for you. Now, my first praise for those who've never made Jesus Lord of their life. You've never made that decision. I wanna pray for you. Now, friend, I don't wanna embarrass you. I'm not asking you to come out to me You just stay where you are in your seat. But in a moment, I'm gonna count to three. And if you wanna make Jesus Lord of your life, simply when I count to three, raise your hand so I can include you in this prayer. My second invitation is to all of those who once served the Lord, but your relationship has grown cold. It's not where it used to be. Friend, come home today. Your Lord is waiting with arms open wide. And thirdly, you might be saying in your heart, Pastor, I don't know what would happen to me if I breathed my last. I don't know if I'd make it to heaven. Or friend, don't leave here. Those of you watching, don't switch off until you can answer this. And the way you answer it is by accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, coming into the family of God. So as I count to three, if you want to come to Jesus for the first time, you want to come back to Him, or you want to know that heaven is your home, won't you raise your hand right now while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and I'll pray for you. One, two, three. Just raise it up above your head so I can pray for you this evening. Praise the Lord. You're watching at home, just pray this prayer with me. If you're in other venues, just raise your hand. I want to see who I'm praying for. And so, I'm going to ask everybody to pray this prayer with me, especially those that have raised their hand. Those of you at home, if you want to pray this prayer, pray it out loud with me. And let's say this together. Say this with me Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you tonight just as I am. I ask you, Lord, please forgive me for every sin. I do believe Jesus is Lord and he was raised from the dead. I choose tonight to forgive all of those who have hurt or offended me. And I thank you that I am now your child, part of your loving family. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Let's just give them a round of applause. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.